podcast talking all things health technology and NHS IT. Welcome to Digital Health Unplugged. Hello, after a few months off, Digital Health Unplugged is back. Welcome to everyone. Um, I'm your host, Jordan Soloff, news reporter at Digital Health, and we've got great episode coming up for you today on how artificial intelligence impacts nursing within the NHS. This is ahead of a session taking place at our inaugural event, AI and Data, which is at the Business Design Centre in London, 30th and 31st of October. Delighted to be joined by the three speakers in that session. who will be there driving the discussion. I'm going to let them introduce themselves now. So one by one, if you could tell our listeners uh, who you are and a little bit kind of about yourself and your job and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Um, who wants to go first? We'll start with you, Dion. Thanks, Jordan. I'm Dion Rogers, uh, CNIO and Deputy Chief Nurse at Barking Havering and Redbridge University Trust. Um, that's North East London for anyone who doesn't know BHRUT. Um, I work in obviously nursing, field of informatics, um, just completed a master's in AI and really excited to be exploring this topic with my esteemed colleagues, Simon and Jules. So welcome. Great. Um, Simon? Hi, thanks, Jordan. Um, my name is Simon Knoll. I'm the CNIO um, at Oxford University Hospitals in, in Oxford, spookily enough. Um, uh, <laughs> I have been working in uh, health informatics for about 20 odd years now in one form or another, uh, both as an implementer in research and for the past six years as a CNIO. I've recently taken over as chair of the Digital Health CNIO Advisory Panel. Um, and um, I've re- also recently finished a master's, but in health informatics, um, of which um, my dissertation was uh, regarding um, a critical thinking in nurses, and of which um, AI and the use of data was was part of that dissertation. So yeah, so and I, again, I much much appreciate the, uh, the the opportunity to share the stage with these lovely people. Great, and last but not least, Julia. Hi, um, thank you for inviting me actually. I'm Jules Goodrum. I'm the National Digital Midwife Lead for Maternity Services and I work at NHS England within the Transformation Directorate. I came into the digital space sort of by accident around about eight years ago with the launch of Better Births, which shone a, the start of a, a spotlight on digital and how it can improve maternity services going forward. Um, I then um, developed and grew the digital maternity leaders community of interest which we now have just over 350 members of digital leaders across the whole of England uh, working in maternity. I too am doing a master's at the moment and mine is in data analytics and artificial intelligence Um, but unfortunately for me I'm still doing my master's um, unlike these guys that have completed theirs and I'm just thrilled to be here to represent maternity um, today. Brilliant, thank you very much everyone for coming on the podcast. As I said, Simon, Dion and Jules will be speaking in a session at AI and Data titled Transforming Nursing and Midwifery AI's Impact on care and practice. The session described as a comprehensive review of how AI impacts nursing in the NHS, addressing factors such as design, complex data, decision support systems, and documentation burden. The session will present a vision for the integration of technology in nursing and its role in shaping patient care. So first question for you is maybe most people or some people would maybe not think about AI and nursing and midwifery together. So 
does AI kind of have a significant impact on the work you do? And if so, what sort of AI technology would be used and how would it be used to help nurses, midwives and of course patients? I think um, sorry, I'm jumping in. I hope that's all right. But I mean, I think mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's various levels of consideration when it comes to AI um, and, and data. Um, we work in an extremely complex and integrated um, uh, environment where increasingly because we're becoming more digitized the volume of data is becoming uh, is, is started to increase exponentially and because that presents a lot of noise it's and it's using all the tools we have available to us in order to cut through that noise and actually see with the picture of actually what's going on so if you look at it as a concentric circles of data impact on the patient and the outside would be operational and what happens to the environment the 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 community, the organisation, the ward, the department, this sort of stuff. And then when it comes to the patient, it's understanding how that information we gather about the patient can be best directed on getting the best intervention for the patient at the best time. So that is sort of where AI will, will impact. Whether it does currently impact in all those environments is another story altogether because we are still an evolving environment with an evolving data set with an evolving culture and not all organizations have a comprehensive data set available to them yet we shall impact on the reliability of the AI. So I think Jules has definitely got something to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I absolutely agree with you. I think that actually you've, you've summed it all up Simon at the end of the day. Um, we're collecting more and more data or we're we just more aware of all the data that we've got for us in maternity services we we collect um, dubious amounts of data um, but it's very often um, the unstructured data that is the richest data that causes all of our problems because it's very difficult to analyze that data um, and also I think the the other problem for, for us in maternity services is um, the lack of interoperability and um, that bottlenecking um, effect that we get when we try and share data because I don't know about the rest of you but sharing data is, is, is extremely difficult for us in maternity services women don't sit still they move all over the country and unfortunately it's very difficult to join up that data and, and as a result of that we, we do have problems um, but it's changing we've, we've got a record standard that's due to be published next year um, and feel that we've got backing to embed this into clinical practice and our clinicians are starting to take note of this. I don't know about you, Diana, would, would you say that's the same in, in nursing? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I, I started to get interested in the use of AI um, a couple of years ago when I was extremely frustrated about nursing documentation in particular. Um, and anyone who 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 knows what I did, I did this massive paper picnic at my organisation because I felt that we'd reached a point in nursing and midwifery particularly where the burden of documentation was actually harming clinical practice. There was so much um, documentation. Every time there was a problem, it was a new form, a new audit, a new checklist. And we'd kind of done that to ourselves, really. And I needed to see what was going on. And, and one of the things um, for me was risk assessments. As nurses and midwives, we do copious amounts of risk assessments. And I'm not sure how effective they are. I've tried to look at studies to see if, if there is evidence 
um, to prove that these risk assessments actually improve patient safety. There's not much out there on this. We tend to just kind of accept that a risk assessment is a tool to improve patient safety, but is it? And so I've started to become really interested in this and I started to look at things like false risk assessments. And actually, if you have an EPR, all of the information aside, does the patient have slippers on, is already collected in the in the record as part of your normal recording um, of information. I started to think about how could AI provide a live risk assessment, a false risk assessment for a patient, and started to sort of discuss this and explore this. We're not there yet, but it's coming. And I feel sure that nurses and midwives can be supported through AI and reduce the documentation burden. I mean, that's the holy grail, isn't it? Better patient safety, and less documentation. Um, and so that's kind of where I started to explore things and get the vision of, of how AI could really help with that. Um, and then something personally I've been really interested in, I am an ex-ops manager for my SINs. Um, so moving patients around beds and discharge plans, you know, huge piece of nursing and midwifery actually that probably isn't always recognised. And so uh, at my organisation, we are actually doing a pilot of AI in ops and we're looking at personalised estimated dates of discharge and predictive analytics around patient um, workload and winter planning. So I think they're the two, they're, I mean it's massive, but they're the two areas I think I see it probably helping nurses and midwives the most in the in the short term, I guess. Great, yeah, I think we've touched on this a little bit already, but could you give any examples, I guess, of, of work with midwifery and nursing where AIs may be already in practice. I, I'll come in there because I would like to do an amazing shout out to Portsmouth Hospital and the digital midwife there, Charlotte Taphouse. I'm not going to tell you lots because it'll be part of my presentation, so people will just have to wait and yeah, see. Yeah, don't give too much away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, um, they had a project called Intelligent Automation Transformation. It's um it's a unit that deliver um around about five hundred and fifty thousand babies a year, so an average size unit, and they implemented a um, electronic patient record system in February twenty twenty one. Um, but what that actually did was it created an administration burden. We we they created a bottleneck, and um, this it, it it was a significant clinical risk. But you'll have to attend the event to find out how they did it. But by using um, AI, they were able to reduce their administration hours by 17,610 in the first year. And their referral time went from two months to 24 hours. Their, their feedback from the women went from zero to hero. Um, and the staff feedback was was absolutely phenomenal because they had a backlog of over 2200 um, referrals and they turned that round and now their capacity is increased by 33 percent now I've just mm -hmm. thrown figures at you there but that this is proven this is one hospital Portsmouth Hospital that have taken on this challenge and transformed the way that they deliver services for women who are vulnerable and frightened absolutely phenomenal amazing jules mm. yeah it's it's quite impact dion simon any any other kind of examples spring to mind of like ai being in practice already um i think i mean there's a couple of things i'd like to pick up from the other from the other guys just i think 
Julie, Jules, your your observation of dubious amounts of documentation. I think we're a nursing midwifery and AHPs are, are guilty of all, all that. I think, uh, Dion, I want to give a shout out to Dion's paper picnic because I've been championing that with everybody I speak to. And I've seen numerous other people championing that to make people understand the challenges of what they're doing. However, we are very good at trying to replicate paper into digital we're very good at trying to just having the same old workflows within the digital environment so those are risks however examples um in our own organization uh, we have um, automatic um uh, guidance for the, at the point of news two scoring for example so we, we do the news two scoring that gives us a little bit of information about about what's happening with the patients and it provides guidance at the point of, of observation now that's only part of the way there it's more like an algorithmic algorithmic rule to uh, generate uh, generate guidance it's not pure ai um but we and, and in similar vein we we had do our nursing assessments and the nursing assessments then actually suggest the appropriate care plan based on the assessment so those are things that we're doing in our organization to just try and focus better use of data but um but i think we need to work harder on um on reducing the noise and i think that's that's probably the, the most important thing and how we cut through as as dion as, as mm -hmm. explained earlier yeah um I mean, these are just brilliant examples and, and we are just at the at the tip of this, really. So it's great to hear all of this in my own organisation. I can't take credit for this. I want to give a shout out to um, my CCIO, Dr. Devesh Sina and his team. They're using an application called Brainomics um, to actually um, help support stroke um, assessment uh, and make sure people are getting the right treatment but they're also using um, another product and it does escape my mind actually um, to detect AI from the use of wearables um, with two GP surgeries they've just been HSJ finalists um, and they predict that they've pre prevented around 200 strokes and they're now going into 20 um, surgeries and that is a combined MDT so there are doctors nurses and AHPs within that group plus GPs who were seeking to use AI to find appropriate patients to provide risk assessments for those patients and then use wearable so the minute it detects AF they get them on some treatment um, and that's proving really good and obviously prevention is better than cure and that's kind of one of the areas we want to look at is population health so some really diverse areas uh, and it's just beginning really right yeah some really nice examples there of the, the impact that ai is having um what kind of key major problems would you say that ai data and analytics solves for nurses and midwives what are those kind of key main ones i think it has the potential to cut through the noise and to and to provide guidance um that that is the main thing it's um, as i said before it's to do with it's but not just at the the patient level but also the departmental the organization the operational level if we can get the data right then then because we have so much of it if ai if we can monopolize ai appropriately then it can help to direct things and i think dion's given a brilliant example of cutting through the noise when it comes to diagnostics and, and reducing risk because those things will quite often either be lost because the data isn't available or they would be lost in the volume of noise that's coming through and the processing that needed to manage it um, so that that's that's the great potential it has um, uh, its contextual guidance and also making sure that we don't undermine the 
decision making process it should guide and not lead and that those are the things we just need to be be, be wary of but i mean obviously I'll, I'll hand over to the guys to see if there's anything that they can pull out i've got some some thoughts really um i've made a bit of a list in preparation Hello. so um, <laughs> we're thinking of you know the three of us are also involved in conversations around um transcription or ambient recording i think that is the future i think we will use that and, and most often i think technologies are designed to help medics which is not a bad thing at all i really embrace that but actually the conversation about nurses and midwives needs to happen more frequently and we need to understand that this actually can help our um our patients and our profession as an mdt i think in the in the future we need to be working more in an mdt space instead of having separate notes and, and whatever so um, scribing I think is definitely as I've mentioned performance and flow I think it's definitely going to help that wearables I think it will help patients to us to um, treat patients in their own homes where possible um, I'm, I'm hoping that reduces bed size and hospital size and and we, you know we take healthcare to patients um, chatbot signposting you know some really good user cases in the states around how they're using that for um, signposting patients to, to the right services and the right information drug discoveries patient selection of clinical trials patient compliance I think that's a good one with medication and how effective is treatment as nurses and midwives we do a lot of that actually we do a lot of you know is this the right treatment for you is this the right compliance etc and there is some evidence out there now that some um, schools of nursing and midwifery are using AI to train um, our workforce um, overall I think it will help bridge the workforce crisis gaps that we have if we can make it if our working hours more efficient I think that hopefully will help stem this sort of um, worrying workforce problem that we have as well so that was a lot, but I just did a bit of a brain dump. So I've brain dumped on you all around some of those things. Great. Jules, anything to add there? How can I add to that? <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think that I don't need to add anything because nurses and midwives need to work as one. So everything that these guys are saying isn't just relevant to nursing. This is nurses and midwives. Registrants on the NMC register is, is the easier way to see it. Um, yeah. And it's relevant to all of us. Um, so no, I don't. I don't think I do really. I think. I think. Well done, Dion. I think well, some of the stuff you point out there, Dion, is that you hit the hit right. I mean, it's it's understanding where AI can have its best impact, and and uh, know in in that in those live transcription and data extraction processes, but which means it's not reliant on the core base of data, but it's also releasing time to care. It's release is making the workforce more effective and having more opportunity to do what they need to do in the best way they can do it. Yeah, and we saw that with Jules' example. Well, we're going to hear about that on the day, aren't we, Jules? About Portsmouth and what, and what they've done, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Um, are there any barriers to using kind of AI for nurses and midwives? I'm thinking ethics, resources, lack of training, regulation, things like that. What are the key barriers and challenges? There's two I would like to pick up. Um, really, uh, Dion and, and Simon have actually touched on, on them already um, as I'm scribbling away, making notes on the things that they actually said. Um, 
record keeping, Dion talked about record keeping. And um, I think that we we need to do more around um, how nurses and mid midwives view record keeping from a digital perspective. Um, as as um, I was a nurse before I was a midwife and, and our record keeping was absolutely paramount importance and still is, but I do genuinely believe that um, midwives don't value digital, um, the, the collection of um, record keeping in an electronic patient record in the same way that they value it on pen and, using pen and paper. I don't feel that the NMC have necessarily push that and I think the NMC needs to do more about it to make clinicians recognise that digital record keeping is just as important as those old fashioned buff notes that we're all very familiar with. Um, and I think that's that's absolutely um, pivotal to our future because I don't think that nurses and midwives necessarily understand the downstream effect that digital record keeping has. Um, a digital midwife recently said to me that if there was a um, a drug incident, um, then that would that would be absolutely shocking. If it was a drug omission, then you know that that's a that's a risk and 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 it's an incident that needs investigating. If we have omissions in our records, then people don't seem to care in our electronic records. But actually, it's just as it's just as important to make sure that that we don't um, have omissions and that our record keeping is is complete. Um, and I think that this imbalance will actually trip us up if we don't do something about it in the future. And then Simon talked about decision support um, tools that are available to us, which are huge and extremely valuable. Um, but I have heard clinicians that argue that it takes away their takes away their decision making powers. But with we're in a society where there is a strong need for evidence-based decision making and therefore I, I strongly believe that decision support is there to enhance and to support and enable the clinician um, and at the end of the day we still have people that don't follow appropriate care pathways so for me decision support is extremely important won't ever take away the human factors side of all of this but actually it's there to protect us and I, I think that attitudes around that need to change. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that, Jules. Um, I do worry that we are quite resistant as professional professions. Um, I don't think we know enough about it as yet and how we can apply it. And then there's all the usual stuff around AI, which is accuracy of data, bias, ethics, data security. Uh, and, and as Simon and Jules have touched on, you know, that I guess there's a fear about loss as well. What are we losing um, in any gain? There, there will be a loss. So I think we as the people need to understand more about it and agree how to use it, um, you know, with, with, with our eyes open around all the benefits and all the potential pitfalls of it as well. But I think my biggest worry is that we we might fear it. I think fear is probably the biggest barrier for, for me. And what does it mean? And once we get into it and embrace it, will we have control of it? Mm -hmm. Simon, anything to add? I think um, I think the guys made it. I mean, have touched on a lot of excellent points. And and I think that the only thing I would add is that we are still in a very fragmented 
digital deployment environment within the NHS. And I think that um, there's a couple of factors here. Firstly, we need to make sure that all the components of, of digital deployment within any institution or organization or ICB is supported and guided appropriately from the ground up. So, so we know what we're trying to achieve. We know how we're trying to achieve it. We implement it effectively. We have an effective operational and clinical steer when we are building it and it's supported once it's deployed. Because if we don't do that, we'll have, the wrong, we'll have the wrong data, we'll have fragmented data, which means AI cannot function appropriately. Um, and I think, but on the other side of that, I think we as clinicians in, in the NHS still don't get what, what having an EHR means when it comes to record keeping. We still have you know, our assessments, our planning and our implementation and our review at the end of the day. But what we don't understand is that every interaction we have with that record creates information. So we don't need to repeat that information continuously as we go through that patient journey. We can just refer back to the original data source which means we don't get duplication. But if we do, if we don't, we forget that, we create even more noise because we're trying to justify our care and the way that we're delivering it. So there, there's all sorts of things which you need to be aware of in the deployment. And I still think we have a lot of gaps in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we touched quite a bit on how, what more needs to be done in the future, but anything more to add on on how AI can be used to kind of better nursing and midwifery in the future? Anything that springs to mind on what more needs to be done? It's interesting you, you talk about the future, it's that, that future uh, tense, but actually we, we need to look at the present tense because actually lots is being done already. It's early days, like the guys have already said, but this isn't, everybody needs to wake up and realise this isn't about our future, this is happening now and you need to get on board as, as nurses and midwives. This is not going away and this is a tsunami that's going to... Um, huge and you need to be part of it if you want to be the best you can be. I think we need to educate the workforce in order to be able to deal with with AI effectively and understand where it's being used and also the risks that it presents based on the environment that we're in because if we don't equip the workforce then um, we are we are setting people up to fail um, I think it links in with uh, what good looks like, and you know, and uh, and and the the principles that, that that's laid out there in making sure that we have um, we have an appropriately skilled workforce uh, and we have smart foundations. So, I mean, that those are the things that we we I, I think I would pick out. I, I couldn't agree more with all of those things. I think the only thing to add for me is to encourage innovation. Um, and support innovation in the way that Simon and Jules have said is that actually as professions we're not second on the list, third on the list. Um, when it comes to tech companies we need to be having conversations with tech companies as well about as they develop um, technology that nurses and midwives and HPs and everybody else is included in those user cases and that it's not just confined to certain professions um, and to, you know think outside the box like, like, like I've said before with the paper picnic it was all about how do we do things differently? How do we use technology to make things better? And this is a fantastic opportunity for us to really look at what we do in the future. And I have to give another shout out to Helen Ballston and her um, 
digitization of, of records work that she's just published. I think it's a fantastic piece of work. And um, she's always been um, champion, uh, a champion of this, this work of reducing um, the paper and improving um, documentation through digitization. So um, it's great to see that published. It was a real key highlight for me to see that finally published. And I know a lot of clinicians um, have inputted into that work. So um, I think it's a great piece of work for our joint professions, really. So shout out to Helen and the team. Great, thanks. Um, coming towards the end of the show, then finally, looking ahead, of course, to the inaugural digital health and data. Very exciting. Um, are you looking forward to attending and speaking the event, first of all? Um, and could you give Alice's just a little bit more of a sneak peek without giving too much away, of course, and kind of on what your session will be about? This is the, the chance now one by one to big it up a little bit and kind of give our listeners no option but to attend. That's tough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've already shared that I want to, uh, I'm going to talk to you about um, the fantastic work that Portsmouth are doing, but in the maternity um, arena, I, I also want to explore around um, data, um, data mining and, and how we value data in maternity services. I'm going to be sharing um, my experience of, of doing a master's in AI and data analytics, kind of what I learned. And, um, you know, if people are interested, maybe giving some some tips around how to get into the learning space, I guess. Yeah. Simon? Yeah, I think I'll share again. It's what I got out of my um, my my masters, but it's all to do with looking at the data environment and the way EHRs are deployed to support critical thinking. So, and and of course, the AI and decision support will be involved in there. Fantastic. Well, um, reminder that and data takes place on Monday, thirtieth, and Tuesday, thirty-first of October, Business Design Centre in London. Um, I've been to various conferences and events this year and I keep hearing people say that 2023 is the year of AI so I feel like it's a very topical and important event in my definitely not biased opinion. Um, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much to Dion, Simon and Jules for joining me on the podcast and speaking so well. Um, please do attend their session at AI Data. It's on day one, 30th of October at 3.30pm on the AI and analytics stage. Um, we'll be back on a much regular uh, and consistent basis with more episodes for you. Um, but until next time, take care and thank you very much for listening. Thank you for listening to Digital Health Unplugged. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more, follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcast platform. And to find out about our latest news and events, head to our website, digitalhealth.net.